Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Hello, 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 friends. It is December 30th, 2020. I am your host, Nick. This is Nick's Nerd News. Welcome to the show if you've never listened before. Welcome back if you guys have been here the whole time. Well, we've come to the end of... What a shitty fucking year it's been. Anyway, I'm, I'm glad you guys have stuck it out and listened to me week after week after week. I hope I provided, provided a escape for you from, from the madness that has been 2020. And, you know, it's, it's going to be... It's going to be a little weird this year because our our top 10s for the end of the year are interesting to say the least. We don't even have a top 10 for movies this year because a couple things I just didn't want to watch, didn't want to pay for, and didn't feel like watching. And a lot of movies I did want to see got delayed out of the, of the year and, and even past next year, unfortunately. And a lot of movies that were supposed to come out earlier ended only coming out recently. And uh, this week's going to be a little different. It's like the end of every year, almost. This time, we're just going to talk about Wonder Woman and Soul. That's the, the newest stuff. And then we are going to talk about uh, the year in review, essentially, is, is what we're going to do. And as always, you know, like, subscribe, click, punch, poke, share, alert, delete, whatever you guys want to do with the show. You can do, because you're listening to it anyway, right? <laughs> Other than that, though, it is, it's been an interesting year for sure, and a lot of ups and downs, a lot of staying home, a lot of not going out, a lot of Warzone, a lot of Warzone, which came out at the perfect time. But just a couple of things, uh, check out the Instagram today, I did an unboxing of a Champion's Path Trainer Box Pokemon cards today. Uh, you guys can check that out on, on Instagram. I did a live video, and now it's a Instagram TV video, I guess, because it's long. I will post in photos my top tens in the next day or so, just because I do want to just do my normal meme stuff today, as i uh, been a little procrastination when it comes to, to getting everything into the apps I normally use to, to collect everything, but... No matter, it will happen, it will happen, I just want to do some fun end of year memes for sure, but there's a lot of things in flux as always, and, and I, I do want to wish you guys a happy new year, because it is on uh, tomorrow night, and of course the next time we meet it will be 2021, I will be a year older as my birthday is this weekend as well, but other than that, I just, been a crazy year for sure. And before we get into the, the top tens, if you will, top eight for movies, let's let's talk about Wonder Woman and Soul. So Wonder Woman and Soul both released on Christmas Day. Uh, Wonder Woman, of course, on HBO Max and, and Soul on Disney+. Plus. What I'm kind of surprised by, so Wonder Woman was certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes before it released. And as the day went on, it, it, it quickly, quickly, quickly plummeted, to my surprise, actually. I'm, I'm still kind of shocked at, at how much it's fallen, to be honest. And 
it's actually no longer certified fresh, which is rare. Rare for a movie to do that, because usually they only do that if they know it's going to be, like, it's not going to lose ratings in in the in the time that that that's it's coming out i guess i should say I, I'm, I'm failing to speak correctly right now anyway if if we're really looking at it i'm i'm kind of surprised to be honest so but i i liked it all right i'm just going to say it i liked it i liked it a lot actually and I know a lot of other people didn't. I can see a, a, a big gap of it on, on my friends on Facebook and things like that. So right now it's sitting at 61% tomato meter. It's, it's in danger of falling into rotten. And 73% audience score. When it debuted, when it first listed on, one, on Rotten Tomatoes, it was at 89, I'm pretty sure. And it's Metacritic even lower, but really surprised by this because a lot of people were talking about how uplifting it was and how it was perfect capper for 2020. I personally agreed. I loved, I straight up loved the movie. It was 80s cheese. It was, it was great. And when I say that, it like, it was a total 80s like action movie made in 2019, 2018, because the, the movie was supposed to come out a year ago, if, if we remember correctly. And I, I just, I'm a little surprised that it has fallen and people aren't liking it. And, and it's a, it's very odd, like I said. Because the movie's not bad at all. Which, I don't understand why why people are, are dissing it. Like I said, it's it's not something that comes off as a bad movie. There's, like I said, it's 80s cheese and maybe people don't want that. In 2020, I thought it was a perfect capper to the end of the year. Because it was it was it was great, and and Gal Gadot is perfect as Diana again, and the way they bring Steve Trevor back actually makes sense in a way, and it, it's he's only back to Diana, and I don't want to spoil too much because it has to do with like Greek god powers and wishing and things like that, and it it makes sense story wise, one hundred percent, but it, it's. I guess, I, I don't know how, how you would say it, that I can see maybe why people didn't like it, I guess. I don't know. But I'm I'm thoroughly in the camp that enjoyed it a lot. Very much so. And it was, I, I don't know how, how to describe it. Because Kristen Wiig is perfect as Cheetah. And Pedro Pascal is perfect as Maxwell Lord and and it it they all like jive together and i guess when you really boil it down it is 100% like an 80s movie like it is an 80s movie hands down the only thing it was missing was awesome 80s music but i don't know i don't know why and maybe you know now that i'm thinking about it that's maybe why people didn't like it because a lot of people don't like 80s movies but I I don't I'm just I'm trying to fathom and you guys clearly can see that I'm having trouble fathoming it myself. But it was just an enjoyable movie. The opening like Olympic Games type things that Diana participates in as a child is a great opening sequence and you can watch it online. There's this cool like fight sequence in a 
uh, 80s shopping mall that's like the most 80s thing ever. And and maybe it's it's nostalgia glasses that are like a little too thick for some people. And I get that a lot. But overall, it was a solid movie. The music is great. The score. Diana gets awesome new powers. Her Her new armor is badass like more badass than than i would ever have expected and there's just it's fun overall and it's just a feel-good movie and the fact that that people don't like it is is way more shocking to me than than i expected and it's it's just it's well it's well around a good movie and it was so much so that warner brothers has already greenlit Wonder Woman 3 with both Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins coming back. I'm sure this will be after the Rogue Squadron movie, which is okay. But I just... I don't know, man. I don't I don't know why people didn't like Wonder Woman. I thought it was great. I was giddy and happy the whole time. I was enjoying the whole film. And I watched it half the time with glare from like a window. Because I was watching it during the day on Christmas Christmas morning, technically. I just, I don't know, man. People are, people are weird. People are weird if they didn't like it, and I get it. I'm, I'm not, I'm just saying, I don't want to diss you. Like, I, that's technically what I'm doing. But, like, I what movie did you watch if you didn't enjoy it? And, like, I'm seeing people like, oh, I turned it off halfway through. I'm like, were we watching a different movie? I, I don't understand. Like, I don't get it. But, but, like, solid eight for me. A solid eight. Wonder Woman 1984 is a solid 8 for me. I love the film. However, on the reverse side, I'm I'm kind of like these people with Wonder, not liking Wonder Woman. I didn't care for Soul that much. Don't get me wrong. It's a solid movie, solid story. But like when I watch a Pixar movie, I expect my heartstrings to be tugged or like me walking away with like, like an uplifting feeling. And the movie didn't do anything for me. It just, it didn't. I didn't. It was visually beautiful and totally ambitious and the story makes sense and I get what they're trying to do and there was a s- lot of solid jokes. Like they make a joke about the New York Knicks, I cackled. Yes, I cackled. It was it was it was hilarious. And there there's a lot of good stuff in there that that totally encapsulates like the jazz community, barbershop culture and there, there are good things in it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. It's not a bad movie. It was just kind of like meh to me. Like I, I didn't, I didn't get any uplifting feeling. I didn't leave like walking out like in a joyous occasion or mood. Like it just, I don't know. It just was a movie. Like it, middle of the road to me. And and I get why some people love it. Don't get me wrong. Like. The opposite of Wonder Woman, where I don't understand how you didn't like this movie. With with Soul, 100% I get if you loved this movie. And and it, it will totally tug at the heartstrings of people and, and certain things. But personally for me, it just, it didn't. And I don't know if that means I'm like a broken person, or maybe I don't have a soul. <laughs> like, I, I just, I don't know what... I just, I don't know how to explain it. It, it just, it was just whatever to me. And, and everyone in, is it, is in it, in it perfectly. I can't talk today, but 
like I said, I'm not discounting the story. I'm not discounting the movie because those are all great. It just didn't elicit a response from me. And the jokes were good. They were hilarious, like I said. And I get the story they're trying to tell. But for me to like fake like it, I can't do that. It'd be disingenuous. But I get what it would do for other people. And I hope it does that for other people. Because I want you to watch it. Because it is a good movie. Just for me, I thought there were a lot better movies this year. And I personally liked Wonder Woman a whole lot more. But I I don't know. I don't know what it was. I don't know what it is that, that I just did not like. And it's and it's I guess it's not really did not like. It's just it just didn't do anything, I guess. And that's part of it. It everything there were separate parts that were good, but together they just didn't fit. But but it was still like a solid like seven, I guess. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to waste time just like talking about something that I just didn't enjoy. But let let's let's transition now over to let's talk about things that came out in 2020 right a lot of movies came out and i only saw eight of the big ones bad boys for life birds of prey onward eurovision great will ferrell movie palm springs great time travel movie technically bill and ted another great time travel movie wonder woman 1984 and soul all really good movies almost all of those i saw streaming <laughs> right? I think Birds of Prey, Birds of Prey was the last movie I saw in theaters. Bad Boys for Life, another movie I saw in theaters. Everything else was Netflix, Disney Plus, Amazon, or Hulu, or something, or HBO Max, right? The only movie I paid for to stream was Bill and Ted. I wasn't going to pay for Mulan. I'm not going to watch. go risk a theater to watch Tenet, even though I, I wouldn't watch it anyway because of Christopher Nolan. And I'm not going to pay for Mulan. I know it's available now, but I'll get to it. But out of those movies, the two in theaters I thor thoroughly enjoyed very much. The first year without a Marvel movie, which is wild to think about. Because, you know, um, Black Widow got delayed into next year. Eternals got delayed into next year. Meanwhile, two DC movies came out, which is a wild thought in itself as well. One people enjoyed and then got cut because of COVID. The other people apparently hate. <laughs> but that that's that's a thing, right? A lot of good movies this year. But if we're gonna if we're gonna rank them, if we're gonna rank all the movies I saw this year of eight of the eight that they are, uh, Bad Boys for Life is my number one movie, of course. That hit so perfectly. And the fact that there was such a huge gap between two and three. And Will Will Smith has kind of like had ups and downs since two. Martin Lawrence has kind of like faded away since two. But these were this was a solid movie all around. Michael Bay didn't direct it, but his his influence was there. And the jokes were solid. Everything that movie was was a romp from beginning to end. And it was just it was great to see all those guys those guys together again because they have a camaraderie 
and a like a chemistry that that you cannot like imitate. Like they have some of the best that I don't you know it's 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 just it's perfect. And those directors are solid directors. It's Adil El Arbi and Bilal, Bilal Fala. They're directing Beverly Hills Cop 4, which makes me very excited for Beverly Hills Cop 4. They're working on the Miss Marvel show for Disney Plus, so that's solid right there, right? But my number one film of the year, Bad Boys for Life. My second film of the year, Palm Springs on Hulu, Andy Samberg in like a Groundhog type day or Groundhog Day type movie where he like keeps living this wedding with Christina. Um, ooh, what's her name? Um, she was the the mother and how I met your mother. I, I can't think of her name, but that movie was unsupr- uh, like unexpectedly hilarious. Uh, Christine, Kristen Melody is her name, but that movie was so funny and I love Andy Samberg and you guys know, I talked about it on, on the podcast before, but Andy Samberg is one of the funniest people. And those two, again, good chemistry. And you don't expect it between people you've never seen before. But they they play it off perfectly. Movie is great. It takes some unexpected turns. There's ups, there's downs. And it overall, hilarious. Number two film, Palm Springs. Number three, Birds of Prey. Solid, solid movie. Because it's coming off of a film people didn't like in, in Suicide Squad. However, they're taking one of the best characters out of there, which is is Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. Then you pair it with Jesse's... Uh, no, Jesse is the, the boy, but... Um, hold on, who's in that movie now? Uh, I can't think. <laughs> it is uh, Journey Smollett-Bell, who plays Black Canary. You have, you know, Ewan McGregor playing Black Mask. Overall, like, it is a great fucking movie. I loved the movie. And, dude, like, I wish they make a sequel to that movie. Or I wish they continue it some way in to, you know, whatever they do with that part of the franchise. Because, obviously, we're getting Margot Robbie again with, you know, the, The Suicide Squad being directed by James Gunn. But I want them to bring back Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Huntress. I want them to bring back Journey Smollett-Bell as as, um, as uh, Black Canary. I wish, I wish Ewan McGregor could come back as Black Mask because he was perfect as Roman Sionis. And I just, it was a solid DC movie. And unfortunately it got pulled from, from theaters because of everything going on in the world and you know, theaters started to close and it didn't help that the, the name change happened like right before the movie came out and everything like that. So like there was Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey before that it was, uh, Birds of Prey and the one emancipation of, of Harley and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. And it just, there was a lot of confusion going on around that movie before it came out. I just hope they get a sequel because it would be perfect. And of course it came out to like home video, like almost a month after it was out in the theaters. And it just, I hope that it gets to live on 
or something like that. Like that is where I would want it to keep living. But I, I just, I don't know, man. I, I, I really liked it a lot and hopefully they make a sequel and give Margot Robbie more time as Harley Quinn because she deserves it. My number three, uh, number four movie, Wonder Woman 1984. We just spent about 10 minutes of the show talking about that before. So I'm not going to continue. So that's in my top five. Number five is Bill and Ted. And you guys can always go back and, and listen to my episode on that. But Bill and Ted, great movie. And after almost almost 30 years of, of difference between them, uh, uh, you know, Keanu and Alex Winter were just perfect again as Bill and Ted. Like, they never lost it. And it was actually perfect to have that much of a time gap between the, the, the films because it allowed for a different story to be told that probably couldn't have been told a lot sooner and it allowed for, like, the daughters to come in and have a story. And they did have enough of a story that I think you could move forward and, and continue the franchise with the daughters. And I think it would work perfectly and just have Keanu or Alex kind of pop in as cameo roles because the people they cast as their, their kids are almost near identical to, to uh, Keanu and Alex. And granted the, the chemistry isn't totally there and it could definitely be worked on if they were given more screen time together and a little bit more material to work with. But I'm excited to see if Bill and Ted moves through the future. My number six film was Onward, the Disney Pixar film that was released earlier this year with uh, straight to Disney Plus with Chris Pratt and Tom Holland. That was a good movie. I, I liked it a lot. And it it that's a movie that pulled at my heartstrings, right? And uh, granted, it's not an experience I have anything to like go off of. I don't I haven't lost a parent. Or grew up without one. So I, I can't totally, I guess, uh, relate. But again, it was something, it's dealing with loss and moving forward from it. But overall, it was a solid movie. And the the modern interpretation of like fantasy and things like that was great. The, the Easter eggs and the jokes, all perfect in that movie. That was my number six movie of the year. Number eight, uh, number seven, excuse me, is Eurovision. Uh, great movie, Will Ferrell and uh, what's her name? I can't think. Uh, Rachel. Uh, gosh, what's her name? Anyway, hilarious movie. Like it's not a movie you would think would be good because it's Netflix and Will Ferrell and uh, <laughs> about Eurovision, which is a thing that we don't know about. In uh, Rachel McAdams, she's she's in it. It's Eurovision is a song contest in Europe where like every country in Europe competes to have like the be best singer. I think I, is that what, um, I don't remember what it's about. Anyway, it is a, it, first off, the movie's hilarious. Okay. That's all that matters. Cause Will Ferrell is always perfect and they have like solid music in it too, but it, it's just, it's a good movie. Right? It it's there's no reason to not like it. Because it it it's just it's great. It's just great. And it's really funny. And if you love Will Ferrell, you'll love it. And it's it opens the world to like Eurovision for people who don't know about it. Because like again, it's it's not really a thing in the US. But 
I would definitely give it a shot. I thought it was funny. Like I said, solid music, solid people, solid cast as well. And hell, even Demi Lovato is in it. Pierce Brosnan. There's like a really, there's a lot of people in this movie. Graham Norton, who's a hilarious talk show host from the UK. But it's it's a crazy story that that would, it's just, it's worth watching. That's Definitely, definitely check it out because it's a hilarious movie and I don't know, I, I thought it was great. And then my final movie, because like I said, we couldn't even get a top 10 because it's only really eight movies of worth came out this year because a lot of movies I wanted to watch unfortunately got delayed till 2021, but hey, 2021 is just around the corner and, and hopefully more movies don't get delayed as the vaccine now gets rolled out to a lot of people. So I, I don't, I don't know. Let's, let's hope for a better year in film in 2021. That's all I can ask for. That's all we could really all ask for. But as we move on, how about we talk about the year in TV, huh? Tiger King, right? That That's all, that's all we want to talk about. Tiger King. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, a lot of shows, you know, got delayed or pushed to, to next year because they couldn't film new seasons. Hell, the the Flash and some of the other Arrowverse shows got cut short because they couldn't finish filming the, the current season they were in. And a lot of shows ended. But let, let's talk about shows that, that did premiere in 2020, right? We had, so Tiger King, of course. Westworld had its third season. High Score, that really cool documentary, documentary miniseries on Netflix about the video game industry. You had P- Picard, right? Star Trek Picard. Lower Decks, the new Star Trek animated show. First animated show since the 70s. Umbrella Academy had its second season. Solar Opposites premiered. Curb Your Enthusiasm had its 10th season in 20 years on the air. Rick and Morty premiered the second half of their fourth season. The Mandalorian had the best second season of any show, like ever, uh, unless you didn't watch The Boys, because The Boys had a solid second season as well. What We Do in the Shadows had its second season. Utopia came and went on, on Amazon. There was a lot of other stuff that I haven't been able to watch just yet. You know, I know The Crown had a new season, The Queen's Gambit, that new Gambit, that new show about uh, chess on Netflix is, is, is killing it. But a lot of shows, again, like I said, were delayed. This year, I finally sat down and watched The Witcher just last week. So technically, it's an honorary mention for for this year, even though it came out one year ago exactly, pretty much, in December last year. But we'll talk about that in a minute. But a lot of stuff came out, and a lot of stuff I thoroughly enjoyed. And now, let's talk about top tens for TV for me. So my number one show, and this is pretty obvious... For this year was Mandalorian season two. Uh, like I, 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 I recapped every episode saying how literally the second best second season of any show. It, and it, it was like the Godfather part two to the first Godfather. It's like Empire Strikes Back to A New Hope. Like things were good and then they got better in their second installment. Right. And, and <sighs> Boba Fett, <laughs> Ahsoka. And, and spinoff, you're getting three spinoffs from The Mandalorian, which just shows you how good it really is, right? 
It just just a perfect, perfect end cap, chef's kiss to Star Wars this year for sure. And and you guys know I've talked at length the last eight weeks about that show. So, which is followed up for my number two show, which is another great sci-fi, you know, series or franchise, Star Trek. Star Trek Lower Decks is my number two show. It was solid week after week after week. It was hilarious. If you guys love Star Trek, then you will love Lower Decks. I'm I'm not kidding. It's not a mo- it's not a mockery. It literally is is an homage to old and new Trek and just brings everything together and then adds a comedic flair. So where Mando was the best second season of any show, Lower Decks is the best first season of any Star Trek show. Star Trek first seasons tend to be a little rocky as they get their footing. That goes back to the original series. The first season of Next Generation is is kind of meh, meh. The first season of Voyager is little tied too much to 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 TNG and Deep Space Nine. You know, Enterprise didn't do well. Picard had a lot of ups and downs to a lot of people. You know, I finally just finished Deep Space Nine, where I literally watched every single episode of Deep Space Nine over like a month span, and. I haven't even done that with TNG. I've watched like 80% of TNG. But like the first season... If you were to compare the first season of Deep Space Nine to like the the sixth or the seventh seasons, which are the the final two, completely different show. Like I'm surprised Deep Space Nine made it past its first two seasons. Lower Decks is something that I hope stays in the Trek canon for quite a long time and doesn't get stuck after its second season. I hope things keep rolling and and they can go to a lot of fun places with it. And it technically, as long as you stick with Mariner, I think you're good. Like, you don't even have to technically stay on the Cerritos. If you can do other stuff with Mariner, who is the main character, then then that show has a lot of leg, legs left on it. A lot of ground left. And I, I cannot wait to see what they do with it. My number three show for the year was the 10th season of Curb. Curb Your Enthusiasm. Curb Your Enthusiasm is honestly the great second greatest comedy show of all time behind Seinfeld. Which makes sense, because Larry David created both. Larry David created Seinfeld with Jerry Seinfeld. Larry David created Curb Your Enthusiasm, which he plays a more eccentric version of himself. Curb Your Enthusiasm is technically like Seinfeld on steroids, because it is a show about nothing as well. And while one would be like well nick doesn't that mean it's better than seinfeld like no because seinfeld on steroids there is that could be a detriment in some places like there are some things in curb where it's just like really like really <laughs> they're that's where they're going with this and sometimes they put larry in in the most asinine like unfathomable like things that could ever go wrong but at the same time you in the back of your head like that probably would fucking happen, wouldn't it? But but Curb Your Enthusiasm, it is is an amazing show, and if you've never watched it, you should, because you're missing out. Like I said, on one of the greatest comedy shows of all time. My number four was Umbrella Academy season two, and you guys know I've talked at length about that show this year as well. I thoroughly enjoy the Umbrella Academy. I was late to season one. And it, it blew my mind when I first watched it. And it it was a great, great show. And it's a great comic book show as well. And season two upped the ante by going back in time. It's based off the second volume 
of the graphic novel. And it, it's 1960s Dallas, specifically leading up to 1963 Dallas. And, ooh, if you know anything about 1963 Dallas, you, you know where that's headed to. You know, Kennedy. Kennedy assassination. Spoiler alert. You know, something happened 40 years ago. But Umbrella Academy Season 2 is a great comment on society and, and how far we've come. But also at the same time, like how a group of superhumans would would react to a situation like that. My number five show is The Boys Season 2. And you're probably wondering, why isn't The Boys above Umbrella Academy? And as great as The Boys is, The Umbrella Academy is just a little bit more heartwarming. The Boys sometimes hits a little too close to home and a little too close to reality sometimes. And and don't get me wrong, it's an amazing show. It It's still my top in my top five shows. It just... Sometimes it's like, oh, this is a little too much. It, it in ways that it's almost not parodying, parodying reality, and it's almost like this is reality. And that, but overall, it's still an amazing show. It's it's still great. And if if honestly, if Mando or Lower Decks hadn't hit so hard, the Boys and Umbrella Academy would be a lot higher. I'm not kidding. But it just those shows urge it uh like push it out just just barely number six is solar opposites the new justin roiland show on hulu which is if rick and morty could curse and go all out and it's about aliens like arriving on earth and just understanding earth's culture and it's it's a hilarious show for one and there's a great like subplot like a b plot of miniature humans living in like a terrarium that one of the aliens is set up and them like fighting for survival in like a dystopian like society essentially because it's it's him putting these people in there that too it's just this show is great all around and it's it's if you like justin roiland and rick and morty you will definitely love solar opposites for sure uh number seven is picard star trek picard the return of of jean-luc picard uh, former captain of the uss enterprise let me clarify the uss enterprise ncc 1701 D and NCC 1701E, so the sixth and seventh iteration of the Enterprise, or fifth and sixth. Uh, anyway, anyway, uh, Patrick Stewart returned to the role after uh, after almost twenty years, and a role he perfected on television on Next Generation, and of course the subsequent Star Trek films set in the Next Generation timeline. And while it went in ways I didn't super like in terms of of how they're going with the galaxy because while technically star trek online is not a hundred percent canon and it takes place after star trek picard there are some things that don't jive with like how star trek was going in general and like the stuff with the romulans was a little too heavy-handed i i think they could have gone somewhere and given like a new villain if you ask me, I, I think going back to Romulans is they're going back to what they know and it was a little safe. And even going, the stuff they did with the Borg could have been a little bit better, if you ask me. And I wish they'd brought in more legacy characters. And I, I get they wanted to focus on Picard. And it, it kind of also throws out some of the stuff that's happened in comics as well, which, again, aren't canon. But And, and I understand Brent Spiner didn't want to be Data anymore or like before. But at the same time, it's like... I I don't know. I, I didn't like a whole lot of it. 
And it's funny because the year before the Picard autobiography came out, which is a book that I read this year that I loved, but it's like an autobiography written by Jean-Luc Picard and like reading that and then watching the show. And it's like, well, these things don't match up at all. (laughs) And, and it also doesn't tie into the season finale of, of, of Star Trek, the next generation. And technically that's like a different timeline that doesn't exist anymore. But, but overall it was good. And I'm, I'm excited to see where they go with season two for Picard. And hopefully they bring back more characters like Jordy, like, like, um, uh, why can't Worf? Jesus, I just spent five five seasons of Deep Space Nine with Worf. I can't remember Worf. I hope they bring Worf back in a way. I, I and the Klingons. The, it'd be nice to see good old fashioned Klingons and not Star Trek Discovery fucked up Klingons that don't make sense. And it would also be cool to see maybe Cardassians brought in in a way because Picard and Cardassia and Cardassians tie in a lot. I'm not saying Kardashians, I'm saying Cardassian of Cardassia, like Gold Ducat, people like that. Um, I hope they bring back more Riker, totally, totally well-deserved. If they brought in Janeway, I know she's coming back for the new animated show, but that would be cool to see. Or they they hinted at other stuff from Star Trek's past, and, and I'd like to see more of that brought in. But again, Picard was my number seven of top ten shows. Tiger King, number eight. As good as it was, and I was a little late on Tiger King, it still was just like, what the fuck am I watching, right? Tiger King was a mind fuck, and the fact that that was a documentary series makes it even crazier, right? Jesus, man, Tiger King. Oh, my God. Uh, number nine was The Last Dance, which is uh, technically it's like a 30 for 30 film documentary series that was on ESPN about Michael Jordan. And I don't care what any of y'all say, Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. Not LeBron, not Shaq, not, and Kobe's a solid number two. D-Wade is up there because I love D-Wade. Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. Get the hell out of here with LeBron. Get the fuck out. LeBron is nowhere good as, as, as Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan had a hell of a, a hell lot more heart. And if you watch The Last Dance, you'll see that. And people are like, oh, no, Michael Jordan's an asshole. Like, no. Michael Jordan was a was was the greatest of all time. And he didn't take shit from nobody. And he didn't settle for shit. He settled for greatness only. And if you love basketball and you didn't watch The Last Dance, I don't know what the hell you were doing this year. You can literally watch it on Netflix now. You can watch it on YouTube. Like, you can watch it almost anywhere at this point. You don't have an excuse if you did not watch The Last Dance and you call yourself a basketball fan. Like, that is the epitome of why, you know, Michael Jordan is the greatest. And you need to watch it. You just, it, it's amazing. And then my final best show for this year was season two of What We Do in the Shadows. H- hilarious show based on a movie that Taika Waititi made with Jermaine Clement. And if you like their humor, then you'll love what we do in the shadows. And it's about vampires living in New York City. But the vampires are all, like, old school and don't know about, like, technology a lot. But they're living in, like, technically 2020s New York City. And I think they're in Queens. No, they're on Staten Island. Excuse me. Sorry. God, I'm sorry, Queens. They're on Staten Island. 
And it makes fucking sense if you ask me, because they're really shitty vampires because they were supposed to go to take over the world and or the America and they can't even take over Staten Island. And it's a fucking hilarious show. You should totally watch it. It's on Hulu uh, or FX, whichever you have. Totally worth a watch. And solid celebrity cameos in a lot of episodes. And uh, like I said, honorable mention goes to The Witcher because technically it's not a 2020 show. But I finally watched it a year late. <laughs> and I knocked it out in one day. It's a great show. And I can see the appeal on the games and the books that because the, the the show is based off the books not the game but there is a really confusing like timeline thing going on in the show that I can get why people were like super confused but like once you get like an episode or two in you can kind of see where the timelines are but then it jumps around a lot too so it's it's very confusing to understand but and they don't kind of, they don't really make sense until like the seventh, sixth or seventh episode when you're like, oh, oh, so I've been watching the past and the future at the same time. And I don't know how time works in that universe, but like clearly things don't progress over decades when you'd think, I, I don't know, I don't even want to get into it, but it, it looks like season two, which they are filming now, will will clearly be all in the same timeline, which makes sense. But the the visuals are, are amazing on it. It is a way gorier show than I thought. But I am f- fully in the camp of, I love Henry Cavill as Geralt of Rivia. And the Witcher show is great, and I cannot wait for season two now. But that is it for uh, TV for my top ten for this year. Now... Uh, This is weird because we're doing video games last. We normally do it first. But of all the games that came out that this year, I got about 15 or 20 of them. So let's talk about games that came out this year. Warzone came out in March. Doom Eternal. The Command & Conquer Remastered. Marvel's Avengers. NBA 2K21. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. uh, Like the remaster or remake, I guess you'd call it. Hades. Crash Bandicoot 4 About Time, Star Wars Squadrons, Watchdog Legion, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales, Immortals Phoenix Rising, and Cyberpunk 2077 to cap off the year. And all meanwhile, we had the release of both the Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5. Unfortunately, I, I have not been able to get both just yet. Just the Series X. And we also got two DLCs for Pokemon. We got the Crown Tundra and we got Isle of Armor. So a lot a lot of moving parts in the video game world. And unfortunately, you know, Crown Tundra and Isle of Armor were fun, but I don't know. They were small, if you ask me. And not a whole lot story-wise. Yes, they, they added to the, the small map of, of Sword and Shield, which by Pokemon standards was kind of small. But at least they added to that and added a lot of the missing Pokemon back. And of course, you can get all the legendaries again in, in, in Crown Tundra. And there's a lot of cool other mechanics in Crown Tundra that are fun as well. But overall, they were okay. And a lot of good games came out this year. But unfortunately, the one I wanted the most was delayed a whole year. Damn you, Halo. But hey, that's, that's, that's the game. 
folks. That's what happens when work gets shifted around and a lot of people are working in places they didn't expect to work because of, you know, 2020. But if, if we were to rank the games for me this year, my top 10 in games, Warzone is number one. Like, you can't deny that. Warzone came out in March at the perfect time when, when people started going home. It's the game I put more time into than anything this year. And I played with all my friends. Crossplay has made it easier than ever to play with my friends that are that are on PlayStation and PC. And Warzone was just was was fun. It's really the first time I've I've sunk actual real time into a battle royale. Like I, I have PUBG, I didn't really play it. Apex was was fun for a little bit, but it didn't have crossplay and it just it's lost it lost its luster with me for a while. And Warzone, just everything was was right. Because I tried Blackout last year um, when it was like free for a little bit from, from Black Ops 4. And just Blackout was just not that fun. And somehow Warzone, just everything was fine-tuned and near perfect. And it that's why it just works. And it's fun. So that's why it's my number one. My number two is Cyberpunk 2077. And as I've gotten more time with it, I, I love it more and more and more. The story is great. The gameplay gets a lot better. Driving still kind of sucks and, and, and shooting kind of does. But as you get progress into the game, you have a little bit more like upgrades you can apply to yourself for, for things like that. So, uh, and, and there's other upgrades and stuff that I haven't fully fleshed out. And the, the what you think is like you progressing kind of not far is actually like all of Act 1. And it's quite a bit long of an act. And it the credit or the title screen doesn't come up for quite a while and it's it's surprising where you get where it goes to and then how the game opens up from there it's like almost like two different games and it's really fun and like i said i'm very much enjoying it and i can't wait to to sink more and more into it my number three is tony hawk's pro skater one and two which is the the total remake and i think it's purely for nostalgia and just how much fun i was having in it again and the music being back, just like everything came together and, and it was was near perfection. And it was great to play those games and to have like Goldfinger Superman back. That just it just makes everything better. And that's that's what matters, really. It's fun, nostalgia, music is great. It's all all pieces coming together and blending and working perfectly, like a well-oiled machine. Number four is Crash Bandicoot 4, About uh, about Time. And, oh man, it's just, like I said when I first talked about it, it, it's classic Crash, but with a modern twist and a modern spin. And it plays so well, and it they added quality of life features that honestly should have been in there for a very long time. And Crash kind of took a dive for a while under Activision and some really bad games. And now it's back in its glory, especially a year, two years after, you know, the Insane Trilogy. And this is a perfect culmination and continuation of the Crash franchise. It's a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm happy it, it's back. Uh, number five is AC Valhalla, and it's only so low just because I, I need to get back into it. It launched really close to Call of Duty, and Family were around, and then Cyberpunk came out. So I, I, I've had some time off this week, and, and hopefully I can get back into it. I should be done with Cyberpunk soon and can really sink into Valhalla because not a whole lot of games are coming out in, in January and February. So I, I can really sink my teeth into that game and, and hopefully put a lot of hours and, and, and fun into it. 
My number six is Watch Dogs Legion, which honestly is one of the best games of the year. Like I said, that's why it's in my top ten. And it is a awesome, awesome thing to have after Watch Dogs 1 and 2. And it's very interesting where you can play as like different people and you can have these different protagonists. It doesn't necessarily have to be one set main protagonist. And that's what kind of opens it up and allows for so much different playability. And different people have different skills. And, and it's just something that allows for like experimentation and things that you wouldn't expect to see in a big open world Ubisoft game, especially like a third in a series. But the fact that it, it changes things up and does things different is what I enjoy the most about it. And that that is what's so great about it. And that's why it's in in my top 10 for the year. My number seven is Miles Morales. And honestly, it's not higher mainly because as good as it is, it, it's just, it's not anything that moves the needle too much. It, it's a different skin on the first game, you know, Spider-Man from 2018. Granted, it tells the story of Miles Morales and it, and it, 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 it is a different story and, and different characters and, and different bosses and, and villains and things like this. But overall, it's, it was a shorter experience and it, it didn't change much from Spider-Man. Like, yes, the Venom powers and things like that are new, but the formula was basically the same. The the different thugs and, like, people you would fight weren't very... The enemies weren't very different from, from Spider-Man. And, I, like, like I said, I, I had a ton of fun swinging through the city, but, like, I 100% of the game fairly easily. Like, it, it wasn't... I, I don't know. It's not something I want... It's I don't really want to go back to it, right? So that that's why it's it's kind of lower on the list. Eight, my number eight is Hades, only because I I've played some of it and not a whole lot to like really 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 get up down deep into it. And it is a roguelike, and I I love it, and I love the art style, and it's just overall it's a very very beautiful looking game and a fun game, and the fact that you know it's it's just you can die so uh, forever essentially, and and the levels change up every single time you die. That's what makes it fun because it's it's a different it, it plays differently every single time you play it. And that's why it's fun, because you're never gonna get the same experience twice. And that's why Hades is great. Number nine is Doom Eternal. And if if I was doing this show in 2016 when the first remake came out, um it it like that game would have been in like my top three for that year. Doom Eternal, on the other hand, it, it did some new things. It's hard as fuck, right? The story got even more convoluted, but, I mean, story doesn't really matter in Doom, to be honest. But, just, there were things that are frustrating in it, and that's why it's lower. And, and of all the games I got this year, you know, it's it's just, that's, that's the, the, that's the thing, you know, it, it just... I don't know. It, there were too many frustrating things, and it's rare for me to lower a difficulty in a game, and I did it in Doom Eternal, and that's why it's it's my number ninth game. Ten, my number ten game, to round out the top ten, is Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Mostly because it's a fucking broken game on next gen, and multiplayer was bare bones compared to what launched with Modern Warfare last year. And for Treyarch to put this out when they didn't even work on the campaign, for them to put this out 
and not be fully fleshed out. And I know they had less time than normal because of the, the change up and sledgehammer being removed from the rotation. But still, like, the game is broken. The meta is fucked. The campaign, I can't even fucking finish without turning ray tracing off, which you shouldn't be doing that on a game that's supposed to be built on these new systems with ray tracing. And, and compared, I mean, it's still better than some of the, some of the other games I played this year, just because it's Call of Duty and it's Col uh, the Cold War and story-wise, the campaign, even though I haven't finished it, it's probably a, it, one of the best shooter campaigns I've played in a, a couple of years. And it's not as broken as some of the other games that I've played, like, fuck Marvel's Avengers. But it, it just, it's frustrating to a point, but it's Call of Duty. I'm having fun on multiplayer still, even though it's like bare bones. But it, it, that's what my top 10 rounds out to be. But there you guys have it. Those are my top three top 10s for 2020. Movies, TV shows, and video games. Uh, just a quick recap. You know, my favorite movie of the year was Bad Boys for Life. My favorite TV show was Mandalorian Season 2. And my favorite game this year was Call of Duty Warzone. Because technically it's a standalone thing. It's, it's not really part of the other games. But that is it for Nick's Nerd News in 2020. When we see each other again, it will be 2021. I will be a year older. As always, thank you guys for listening. Uh, next week, we'll have uh, we'll go back to the normal news. I do want to talk about Deep Space Nine since I finally finished it. And I know it's an old show and it's been off the air for 20 years. But I, I do want to just do like a, a fun little conversation about that show. Um, like I said, we'll go back to the news and... We'll keep talking about Cyberpunk while we're still playing it. But other than that, that is it, guys, for 2020. 2020 is in the books, pretty much, as of tomorrow. Um, but thank you guys for listening. You've been great fans. I can't wait to start another year with all of you. And as always, uh, check out nextnerdnews.com where you can listen to the show right in your browser. Or if you prefer to listen to us on the go, you can find us on uh, our links to Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts right on the, on the website there. Uh, also, while you're there, check out our social media tab so you can see our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages where we post a lot of funny memes. Like I said at the top of the show, I did post a video today of me unboxing a Pokemon Champions Path Elite Trainer Box, so you guys can check that out. Unfortunately, I did not get the Rainbow Charizard VMAX card, nor did I get the Shiny Charizard V card, but hey, you know what? Such is life. That's that's the luck of the draw with, with booster packs on, on Pokemon cards. But other than that, thank you guys for listening. My name is Nick. This has been Nick's Nerd News in 2020. I will catch you all in the new year.